Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's Morgan and it's deflected in out of absolutely nothing. Curzon and Ashton lead. Dixie to Hardy. Hardy in behind. Hardy past the goalkeeper. Hardy into the goal. 2-1 filed. Chance of Colin Day bubbling everywhere again. The other shot. And it's in. It's a recall as for Colin Day. It's been coming. Lots of gap and he goes through it. And Akron gets the first try of the game for Siddle. They've got it with Smith, they've got it with Smith, they've got a score with Smith, unbelievable. Great chance, they've won it, Ashton it. Hello, you're listening to the latest episode of Prem Talk from the Matchday FM podcast as we reflect back on week eight of the Premier League season, where we saw the league lead change hands no less than four times across the weekend including a certain South Coast team for the first time in Premier League history. Don't worry, I won't be mentioning that every five minutes. Uh, otherwise, my future on the podcast, I'm sure, will be in doubt. But there we go. It's uh, Joe Richardson in the chair, and I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Whitehead. Uh, Tom, how are you doing? Uh, good, Joe. Very good. Very, very good. Um, Premier League's been up to its usual antics, much to talk about, and then hopefully we get it back quicker than what it should be really but I look forward to its return and cannot wait simply. Ah yes we are providing a tonic during this uh, international break we need we need to get something out for, for yeah. the listeners to. Uh... Providing food during the famine of domestic football oh, well elite domestic football you've still got your non-league and league ones and twos for the for those who like that. Unlike you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, uh, back to the uh, the Premier League then. I will uh, run you through uh, the results from uh, the weekend. It started on Friday with the thrilling nil-nil draw between Brighton and Burnley. The least said about that, the better. And then straight on to the result of the weekend, Southampton 2, Newcastle 0, which sent the Saints top of the table for the first time in 32 years and for the first time in Premier League history. Shea Adams and Stuart Armstrong uh, with the goals in what was a very, very comfortable victory for the Saints. Uh, moving on to Saturday, and uh, Manchester United uh, bounced back from their awful defeat in Europe with a 3-1 victory away at Everton. It's three league defeats in a row now for Carlo Ancelotti's side. Crystal Palace beat Leeds by four goals to one, a team that are uh, short of goals normally, but they managed to put four past Leeds. Chelsea beat Sheffield United by the same uh, scoreline. And then uh, the last game on Saturday, West Ham beat Fulham by a goal to nil. A 91st minute winner from Thomas Suchek. But that wasn't the end of the drama because Adamola Lookman missed a penalty in the 98th minute. And we will talk about how bad that was uh, a little later on. <laughs> what was that? I said I'm already laughing just thinking about it. I know it's a spoiler for the, for the listeners maybe, <laughs> but yeah, sorry, I can't help myself. Moving on to Sunday, West Brom nil, Tottenham won. A late Harry Kane uh, goal gave Spurs uh, the points there, which took them top of the table. Um, and they were then dethroned by Leicester, who beat Wolves by the same scoreline by a goal to nil. Jamie Vardy uh, scoring one and missing one from the spot, but it didn't matter. They beat Wolves. Uh, then the big game of the weekend, Manchester City drew one all against uh, Liverpool. We will get on to that game in just a moment. And to round off the weekend, Aston Villa absolutely dismantled uh, Arsenal 3-0 away from home. So uh, those were the results from the weekend. But we'll um, 
we'll come on then to talk about the biggest fixture of the weekend, which was Manchester City against Liverpool. The Reds took the lead from the penalty spot from uh, Mohamed Salah. Um, and that was, at that stage, made it the fourth uh, change at the top of the league in the, uh, in the old as-it-stands table. Um, uh, that goal was then cancelled out by Gabriel Jesus's equaliser. Kevin De Bruyne missed a penalty, inexplicably missing uh, the target. And the game finished one apiece. Um, Tom, with your um, unbiased hat on, are both managers, will they be pretty content with that result, do you reckon? Yeah, but I think for different reasons. Um, I think Pep will be content purely because it, with the way City have been playing recently, I think he would. I think he would have taken any kind of result against against Liverpool in their current form at the moment. Um, especially with the midweek, well, the Champions League start Liverpool made as well. I mean, I know it's Prem Pog, Prem Top, but in all comps since the the Villa demolition, we've uh, Liverpool us have been. Um, yeah, I'd say I'd say been picking up a good couple of results going back to the form we we've we know we can do, and I think Pep, for, if he didn't get the win, he was, certainly would have taken a draw, and I know that because City also themselves need to get back up and running because if they continue to fall behind in the early stage of the season, I don't think they can recover because you, it's, it's, I mean we all know they're capable of insane insane runs and insane just, just insane football in general but if the, the more the more they, they don't get into gear the, the more it makes you wonder can they recover again and come back and so Pep, Pep will definitely be satisfied with that Klopp he would also be satisfied because injuries have been basically hampering us and continue to hamper us the context I think might not be too great for us because if I like to think if we could defend a bit better and held on a bit longer might have been able to see out that first half at 1-0 but fair play to City came back but we did well to control the game in the second half and maybe it wasn't a great spectacle to watch the second half but Klopp would please the way that we kept it tight didn't let them get what, what could have been actually they could have easily overturned that with the quality they have with De Bruyne as well should have done with the penalty but mm -hmm. didn't so yeah Pep please I think it start it could be an upturn for him and Klopp because we'll get getting a, a way result where they have to have even with City in that form where it's still a great result because of the players that they have Yeah I thought both managers uh, showed each other the utmost respect really I think um, Pep obviously has found Jurgen Klopp's teams throughout his career very difficult to uh, to play against so I think he'll be pretty content and yeah as you said with uh, with the injuries that Liverpool have um, have suffered leaves them uh, with a point apiece Um were you surprised with how Liverpool lined up with the front three plus um, Jota? No, not at all. Actually, I was. Um, I think that debate I was having amongst many other fellow Reds was: Does Jota warrant a start now in the Premier League because of the the heroics of the, the heroic hat trick in the midweek against Atalanta? Um, fitness players, you think? Oh, it's a bit of a tight one because he still might be recovering from that midweek. Really did put in a shift in that midweek as well. All over the place, causing that well, caused Atlanta, Atlanta absolutely an absolute nightmare for them. Completely ran his socks off, did what he needed to do, but with that kind of quality and with Firmino's current form not the best either, I think it was a smart move because Firmino's original position was um, behind the striker. So I think to have to have Firmino playing behind the striker might get him back into the form that we'd have wanted. Yeah, well, I. I, I... Agree that Jota it looks uh, undroppable at the minute, but yeah, no, it was 
I, I thought it was slightly surprising that all four played, but yeah, no, um, it, it seemed seemed to work, especially in the first half where where Manchester City were were uh, really all over the place. And it was it was really that goal that you know um, dragged them obviously back into it, and yeah, uh, they yeah, they, sure. they 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 needed that because you know the floodgates looked like it were they were going to open exactly. really. Well, because I think I think not just us now, but more teams are starting to not starting to. I think they're finding out just from other results that City can be got at defensively. With it's just they've not been good enough for months now defensively, City. Um, that again, that debate as to why that is could be had for, for hours and hours. But the current state, all near enough, all teams know if you have a go at City at the moment, they have every chance you could at least get a goal to, no matter who you are in the league. I mean, you you say that. I mean, uh, Ruben Diaz has obviously come in and um, and looks looked pretty good and shored them up a little bit. I'm, if I'm being honest, I if I was a Manchester City fan um, looking at them, I would be more concerned about their kind of lack of lack of threat in open play, really, because over the last two, three seasons, um, they've been, some of their attacking football um, has just been absolutely outstanding. Um, and they always create a hatful of, hatful of chances, but they, they, they don't seem like much of a, much of a threat going forward um, at the minute. Can you pinpoint why that might be? Just one word, Aguero, missing, missing him tremendously. Um, even, even though he's, Getting on a bit now, as we would say in footballing terms, he's still he underpins that city attacking the city's attacking side anyway. Um, he's just sort of I think it's just the, the, he brings the best out of Jesus as well. Don't get me wrong, Jesus did score an absolutely brilliant goal, but I've seen plenty of Premier League games where them two seem to intertwine in their movements and just seem to rip defenses apart. Jesus and Aguero, um, obviously, with the cup, all of us have suffered a bit with it when it comes to trying to predict if Pep's going to start them both. Because we all know, like Pep's wheel of rotation has been the undoing for plenty of us in terms of fantasy purposes. But when those two play, I, I, that's what I'm going to get. When I've seen those two play together, I've seen plenty of defenses just crumble, or at least not be able to handle them too. Mm. So yeah, well, seems... he, he normally plays a four-three-three, doesn't he? I mean, yeah, uh... yeah, exactly. It's, it's either one or one exactly. or five. He doesn't, he doesn't play two without strikers, which for me is a bit odd when I fight, except when those two play together, it's such a handful for most teams. Yeah, I, I would also say that um, they they missed David Silva so much. Um, he was just, you know, the heart of that midfield for, for so long. And even, yeah. even in the last couple of years, um, he was still bossing games and, I don't know. I, you, you know, you look at that midfield that that, that played against Liverpool. Right? It just lacked, apart from De Bruyne, obviously. Um, I don't. I think we've we've mentioned it before. I don't know what Rodri really does. I don't really know what Gundogan does either. To be honest, he, he's not really one to break the lines with a pass. Uh, I think he can do it, but he just. I don't know. He he plays within himself. I think so. Um, I'm a bit shocked why Bernardo Silva doesn't play oh, I was, a, lot, yeah. a lot more for them, to be fair. That was literally my next, the next thing was, I don't, yeah. cannot fathom why he doesn't start Bernardo Silva. He's just one, one of the best players in the midfield still in the Premier League for me. Just simple. I mean, I've, I've, I, when he gets on the ball and he runs it, I do fear when you want, if it's your team against him because I know, we all know what he can produce. So I'm not understanding why, against Liverpool, why you wouldn't play Bernardo Silva. No, and, yeah, and Andy offers uh, defensive work as well because his work off the ball is so good. Um, yeah. So that, that's that's a bit of a strange one. Um, both managers after the game were complaining about why the five substitute rule 
is not in place. Uh, this is a sticky, sticky point. I mean, it was in place during Project Restart. They scrapped it for the start of the season. Uh, what do you make of uh, that argument, Tom, uh, considering that Pep Guardiola used one substitute and Jurgen Klopp used two? Oh, it's complete nonsense. They need to just stop moaning and just get on with it and, that, and, and just admit that, fair enough, the, the, the current situation isn't ideal, but it's, it's, it's different to the way it was just because we're still in the pandemic now. But back, back then when the, when the actual season itself was completely disrupted and we kind of didn't know where we were coming or going and the project restart was such a, a well, unprecedented situation. I could understand it then, but now we've got a rhythm. We're, we kind of know we're, there's mass testing going on of all the players. I just don't see, I don't see the, what it would do to change the current situation other than provide a tactical advantage, which would obviously be exploited by the better teams. If, the, if, if it's the players' well-being there that are concerned about, the, the complaints to be taken up with the likes of UEFA and FIFA who continue to do these nonsensical international breaks, which for me are the real killers of players' fitness rather than managers who are trying to provide some additional rotation. It's those international breaks that are the killer, not not the couple of minutes here and there that managers could save. I, I, don't, I don't really want to dwell on the penalty uh, decision against um, Joe Gomez because, to be quite frank, I'm really bored and sick and tired of talking about uh, handball. Um, quickly, was it a penalty? Was it? Can you understand why the referee gave it? Yeah, literally, I can understand why he gave it. Again, not so long ago, it would definitely not have been a penalty, but in these current times and the current interpretation of the law, it is a penalty. And when I think the commentators pretty much resigned themselves to that as well. It's the way it is at the moment. And I know a lot of us, myself included, aren't a fan of the way the handball was being done at the moment, being interpreted. But what that's it now. I mean, I mean, there's been such furor over it. I think like you, I'm getting a bit bored of it as well. And I think the commentators and pundits in general are a bit sick of it. I think they're just resigned to the fate of that's the way it is at the moment. Yeah, it's just boring. I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to take five minutes of the podcast uh, to talk about it. So let's um, right. <laughs> let's bin that off and go uh, <laughs> onto the next bit. I mean, talking generally about the uh, the title race, do you think these two teams are still still the teams to beat? I mean, Liverpool obviously. Do you put Manchester City up there as as their closest challengers still? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When because when they get Aguero back, I expect them to start comfortably winning games again. I mean, yes, the defence is still suspect, but when you've got their calibre of attack, that can deal with most opponents. It's the, the ones who, who have kind of a potency themselves that would worry them. Because that's what we should see. City of old used to, well, of old, but the, the, city, the City side was still the ones of the past season, two, three seasons that used to put most games to bed comfortably, sort of, without even putting having too much of a fuss about it. I, I still think when they when they get when they click, when City when they click, when they click, it's they can't do much to stop them. And I think when they find that again, and under Pep I'd expect them to, then I can see them rising up the table and being in the mix then where you'd expect them to be. You feel like something's missing at the moment. Um and you expected them generally in the summer to to go big again because obviously they miss you know, they, they lost uh, David Silva um, and obviously they bought in a centre-back now, which should make them um, a lot more solid. It looks like Diaz and Laporte is a good partnership. But uh, again, the, the issues at left-back still the same. Uh, don't really have a, a full-strength left-back. And I, I still 
still feel you need another need another striker, need another forward, really. Um, but uh, that's Manchester City. I mean, what are our thoughts on Leicester and Tottenham? Um, who both won at the weekend and both uh, took um, top spot in the uh, in the table. Are, are those two uh, genuine title challenges? Uh, Leicester, I think they can go. It's, I can. I think they can go better than what they did last season after their collapse at the end of last season. I think they can get top four. Leicester, they certainly. I think. I think they've got the ability to learn from the errors of last season. And um, with Vardy, with Vardy, you've always got that player that can win you win your games. I mean. He's just, uh, he just continues to get, kick on and on and on. It just, it's becoming a sort of cornerstone of a Premier League weekend as Vardy. He seems to be chipping in goals and assists. And then they've also, credit to Rodgers, he's also getting players that are stepping, always players that are stepping onto the plate, always in the different positions on the pitch. Thielman, brilliant player. Um, he's really stepped up in recent weeks. And um, Justin as well, defending. He's he for me. I think I'll observe it more because of fantasy purposes. But someone like that, you know, what I mean, these players that um, you see that Rogers seems to be bringing the best out of, as he did at Liverpool actually. That he used to bring the best out of a squad for which for Liverpool, which could have won the title with. But obviously, that he was bringing. Yeah, bringing stuff out of players which you wouldn't expect it from, and that's what he's continuing to do with Leicester. How good is that for Farner? them at the back 19 years of age he, yeah. he is he's like a Rolls Royce uh, centre back already um, some yeah. some uh, some p- a piece of recruitment that from uh, from Leicester oh it's just it seems to be they seem to be unearthing gems at the moment Leicester if any team seems to be got a knack of doing that it's them and yeah and they, he impressed one match today some of those highlights he was doing on that were just for a 19 year old out of this world suddenly just slot in like I, I could play her seven or eight years you're, you're older than his age. It's um, it's encouraging if you're a Leicester fan, for sure, that you've got all this exciting talent coming up and seem to be playing out their skins, really. Yeah, uh, with um, injuries as well. Uh, they're yeah. they're, um, they're uh, doing a very, very good job at the minute. Brendan Rodgers has to get all the credit in the world. Tottenham, um, I do actually think could challenge for the title. Um, if Kane continues this form and makes it last into a season, every chance because the way Kane's played at the minute, I generally think he's up there with the best what two or three strikers in the world at oh, this yeah. point, for sure. Yeah. For sure, with the, with the with the yeah, basically it's going back into the form which we saw God a couple of seasons ago before before the injury that that put him out for much of the season. He's come back from that, and I think come back from it stronger than before. Do you think he's a better player, all round player now? Yeah. Yeah, he's, there's a completeness to his game now, which for an opponent, for an opponent, looks worrying if you're playing against him. He just seems to, yeah, I think he seems to have a bit more of an improvement mentally as well. Seems to maybe making the right decisions a bit better. Um, and then, of course, chiming in him, him and Son. If you're looking for a part, attacking partnership in the league, when him and Son are together, they just seem to buzz off one another in a way that I don't I haven't seen with any other team. Not even knowing Liverpool at the moment because our, our attack with our from three, you know, so you'd imagine that was the old one that used to be the best, but now I we'll think it's Son and Kane. I think Tottenham have the firepower to trouble any team, um, but I think the defence would concern me. Um, they've got very attacking fullbacks, and then Dyer and Sanchez, <laughs> both of them. I'm not 
totally we're still, convinced by we're still them. Still got Alderweireld, too. Yeah, still for me is one of the best around. I mean, put him putting pen to paper on that contract last season, surely a boost for them. Yeah, he's not he's not the quickest though. So I, I yeah, no, I, the the defense would uh, would concern me going forward. But again, if yeah, as you said, if if Kane and Son can can keep up this uh, this run, then then they're going to have every chance. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. Well, I want to get your thoughts, uh, Tom, on um, on Southampton. Uh, well, they did go top of the table, as I said. I haven't mentioned it before. Yeah, you uh, got your T-shirts printed for that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, pre-ordered that. <laughs> Was it was it a bit of a Trump spin as well? I saw on that. The, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Cool. I mean, it's clear. I mean, obviously, opposition fans will deride it, but I actually see deep down after taking the mick out of everything. Yeah, that's a little bit clever. I can see it as a good a good Christmas present for you. And imagine it's under the tree when you when yeah, you get home. Yeah, definitely. Well, not 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 the t- not the t shirt, but uh, the social media post was good. That was that was def- <laughs> definitely a good bang, I reckon. Um, but yeah, yeah since. Um, since their back-to-back defeats to start the season, Saints have won five and drawn one in the, the six games since, scoring 14 and keeping four clean sheets. Um, it's outstanding, really. Um, and as 2-0 wins go, that was a bit of a battering they gave Newcastle. Um, what do you make of them, Tom? Uh, I mean, the fact that they cope without Danny Ings and uh, Ryan Bertrand uh, makes it even more impressive, I think. Attacking wise, I think the credit's got to be um, given to War Prowse. He seems to have just absolutely grabbed the mantle to um, for the Saints' attack. Um, also, uh, the manager as well, Hassan Hootel, needs to needs to needs to be given the credit as well because he seems to have this knack of dragging Southampton out of bad form and just seeming to do the unthinkable. Right? After the that's what well, you want to talk about it too much. I know that, but after that 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 significant loss line that season, he just seemed to bring him out the depths of that and that for me that's such underrated management in a way that yes I know it's not obviously you'll be right slaughtering rightly so if your team's losing and losing badly but to suddenly have the character and the ability to flip that round and go on a run um so yeah it's a very underrated trait and I think I think if if yourself if, if Hassan Hussle could just get a bit more consistency in I think even Europe Europe he could even have the ambition for I mean I mean Six, seventh, Southampton could aim high. Why not? I mean, yes, I know Ings is out, so that might put a dampener on it for you. But mm. with the way this league is in the moment, any it seems to be a right free for all. So you can fancy your chances for sure. Yeah, I, I would say that the two uh, defeats to start the season. Um, I mean. Obviously, you can you can point towards uh, every team can point towards not having preseason, etc. But I think that did really affect um, a team like Southampton that likes to press, uh, and you know they are probably the fittest team in the league for me. Um, they they are brilliant, and once they get up to speed, you know it it took them two games and it took them a a real battering off Tottenham. Uh, to get their act together, but since then they they've been uh, they have been absolutely exceptional. Um, I think the whole team is just playing with so much confidence. Uh, Vestergaard's come in and been uh, been an absolute rock at the back. Uh, Oriol Romeu in the midfield uh, for me has been absolutely transformed. Did McCarthy pull off a blinding save as well? Yeah, Alex McCarthy as well uh, has been playing with uh, with a lot of a lot of confidence, even with his feet. Actually, his uh, distribution used to. Um, 
bring me out in cold sweats but um he's uh, <laughs> he's been training with the um with the outfield players and you can actually see it his um his passing's got a lot better do you, do you credit Hassan Hootal with sticking with his players and having faith, even when the times have been the rough times? I mean, yeah. easily have tried to really change it radically, but no, he, he stuck it out with these players, giving them opportunities. And yeah, the, I think I think the faith that he's shown in the players has been he's certainly been rewarded with, I think. That's why, that's why I'll put it down to anyway, because a lot of managers could try and dip into the transfer market, try and Right, if it's not working, try. I mean, I mean, he could have easily thought, "Oh God, the season got got lucky a bit. I might, I might have to try and really, really try and change it up." But no, no, he believes in these players, and um, yeah, it's nice to see that actually in these times where so many t- clubs are looking for quick fixes, it's refreshing. His his team completely, uh, you know, represent him on the pitch in terms of they're up and at him. and they they they're so well drilled. It's 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 brilliant. Um, they they hunt in packs. Whenever they lose the ball, they're all, they're always about three or four players. It's it's hundred miles an hour football, but it, it it works. And I don't think there's any team in the league at the minute that that would want to play Southampton. They're they're not a nice team to play against. They'll they'll they're actually becoming a bit of a nasty team, really, putting in uh, quite a few tackles and um, and stopping other teams from playing. So, well, long may it continue. But yeah, no, uh, Southampton are absolutely flying uh, at the minute. But uh, let's let's see if that can continue. This is the Matchday FM podcast, bringing you debate, discussion and the occasional audio argument as we talk the best and worst of sport. You can find details of upcoming episodes on our social media to search for Matchday FM. So we'll discuss next the last game of the weekend, which was Aston Villa's comfortable and emphatic 3-0 win over Arsenal, which included a double from the uh, highly impressive Ollie Watkins. Um, they had a couple of defeats before this game. People very quick to say the bubble has burst, but um, they certainly put that right um, at the Emirates. Um, what impresses you most about Villa, Tom? Um, it's obvious, but just the rise and rise of Grealish, Jack Grealish. Um, he seems to have embraced the captaincy for Villa. I, I love it when, I don't know what it is, I love it when the attacking force of a team is given, the captaincy is given to it, someone who can sing, try and drag their team with a passion and that's certainly the case of Grealish um just just seems to revolve around him in a sort of yeah in a weird way you watch him and if you watch Grealish you'll see the team gel and sort of he's the sort of fulcrum of the the, the way they attack and it's brilliant to watch I mean just absolutely against Arsenal those like highlights reel I mean yeah obviously it's a, highlights reels can be a bit derided from opposition fans but this one I thought wow I I I wasn't I'll admit I wasn't wholly convinced by Grealish even at last season, but this season I'm thinking, yeah, now I can see he's the real deal. Yeah, you can see why people are harping on about him having needing to play for England though. <laughs> yeah, I can seen all of seen all the arguments on Twitter about that. Now he's got to be a shoe in for yeah. any side really at the moment. I I didn't um I wasn't gonna particularly single him out because I think he's he's just been uh, he's, he's absolutely outstanding. Um, I was going to pick out, it's obvious to pick out Watkins. I think his hold-up play is, um, yeah. is is brilliant, to be fair. I mean, he showed that in the Liverpool game, didn't he? Um, pinning yeah. the likes of Van Dijk, <laughs> etc. Um, no, they get at, no it's, they get at you, actually. It's, um, it's effective. If, you, if your defence is slightly off guard, they will, they, will rip, they will rip you to pieces, it seems, at the moment, mm. the way they're playing. Even 
even with the form they've slightly tailed off, but they just showed it again. It seems to when they when they're on it, Villa at the moment, they're they're as devastating as anyone in the league at the moment. Yeah, I mean they they have got pace, but at the same time, it's not it's not it's not they've got electric pace. They they've just got uh, runners with the ball, I'd say. So Grealish is is the obvious example, but Ross Barkley is a brilliant decoy for him. Um, he's come in and been. Been uh, been brilliant. And how about his assist for the uh, for the second goal for Ollie Watkins? The technique on that uh, oh, with the, with the left foot. How good is that? Yeah, we know. Well, it was he's not shown it really much at all in recent years, but we there has been whispers that he is capable of that, and he seems to have found a little niche role there at Villa that he seems to be absolutely loving. Um, it may obviously it may not mean he's the star. I mean, the biggest star on the Villa team, but he seems to be really embracing the team spirit that's going on. And um, yeah, I think decoy is the right word for sure that you're using there. That seems to be the, the role he's embraced. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that suits him, um, not being uh, not being the main man. Uh, I'll, I'll give one other shout out as well to um, Douglas Lewis, who plays in midfield. Um, I was very impressed with him. Um, I don't think, if I'm being honest, I don't think there's many better holding midfield players in the league at the moment. Um, for me, uh, there's the obvious ones like Fabinho and um, Kante and Fernandinho. But uh, I, I think Douglas Luiz is brilliant. Uh, he breaks up the play. You can see a pass. Um, the, the, he set up the, the kind of pre-assist and the for Barkley. Yeah. The brilliant little uh, diagonal ball. I, I think he's brilliant. Uh, so I was very, very impressed with him. Yeah, I was going to say now that Fabinho is having to deputise into our defence, he seems to be <laughs> the best best CDM at the moment. No, that's, yeah. that's that's definitely a good shout at this moment in time. Yeah, but uh, Arsenal then, I mean, yeah, they never really got going, did they? Like against um, like against Leicester, and I feel we can get very carried away, wouldn't you say, week on week, saying, you know, one good performance may, means they're doing well and one bad performance means they're doing pretty badly. Because, um, obviously, they got all the plaudits, didn't they, after their win at, um, at Old Trafford. Um, is it the case they are struggling in the games they're kind of expected to dictate and win? Yeah, I was... I think I saw a bit of an answer from an Arsenal fan on Twitter saying that when they play at home... It seems to even be the same negative kind of football, which you wouldn't associate with Arteta. But when they're away, they seem to put in these performances that, like, it's a classic quintessential away performance. But at home, you sort of like they play, you feel like they play a bit. That was it with the handbrake on, was what you described it as. With, with, with Arsenal, you think that if they play, if they put any, any kind of attacking positive football at home, they could easily, easily garner a lot of wins over a season. It just, it just seemed to be a bit. Caginess and a fear of expression at home. I don't even know what it is. I mean, the Bamiyang seems to be a shadow of himself from last season, and it's no one really knows what it is, but it's a bit concerning if you are an Arsenal fan. Um, Party with that's 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 that would be a bad firm that he's, he's out, isn't he? That's that's going to be a big miss for them because he's a player I thought, wow, he could he could take him onto a really, really not to another level, but could certainly improve the side and create a few things extra which um, might not have been capable of doing before. David Louise, just David Louise. Again, you know, well, I don't think you'll ever expect it to be that centre-half. That's just going to be the absolute Rolls-Royce. That's a bit of a... Bit, I don't think that's ever really going to happen. You were probably expecting too much. Um, Attacking-wise, though, I just feel um, that... With Aubameyang, Aubameyang, for me, is up there with 
one of the best, well, used to be a striker, but now for some reason they put, seems to be playing out of position, which is absolutely bizarre um, management, really. I don't know why it's doing that. In fact, you, if you Arsenal, you would have Aubameyang as the guy who leads your line, no matter what, what day of the week it is. Just the guy's quality. And I don't know why he seems to be so badly out of form. Um, yeah, it just baffles. It really does boggle the mind. And then there's the other, the other uh, characters that you can you try to sort of um, Pepe again, bit of an enigma. Can he's been shown brilliant flashes, but you just sort of feel that they never seem to stay in long enough in this in form. They always seem to dip out of it, and then, you know, that's what I think is hindering them at the moment. These players all seem to burn hot and cold at different times, and then it, you know, as you would expect, it's inconsistent results. Yeah, I I would say. Uh, the one player you didn't mention there was Lacazette. I think he's really, yeah, really, course, really yeah. struggling, isn't he? Uh, yeah, even, yeah, even worse than Aubameyang. Yeah, which, which is something <laughs> to think about. So that, yeah, but their two best attackers are in awful, awful dire straits form at the moment. Um, you wonder if there's just it doesn't seem to be a light in, in the tunnel. But then, mm. but then if they do kick on, Arsenal is. They're as good as anyone when it comes to attacking. It just, like I said, they just seem to burn so so hot and so cold with the the form, and it just seems to have been a characteristic for them, no matter what the manager's been since the back end of Wenger's reign, through to Emery and through to this. That they just, they always see. There is whenever you see, whenever Arsenal win convincingly, you just know, oh, two weeks down the line, three weeks down the line, it's going to be some horrid performance they'll put in, and that'll just extinguish any embers of hope that they have. No, I, I think I think the main issue that they've got, apart from uh, the front three not not firing, I think he, he needs to. Well, yeah, I think he needs to take Lacazette out of the out of the picture, to be honest, um, and play Aubameyang probably down the middle. Um, I think I, I just look at that midfield and there's no creativity in there at all. I mean, Partey's obviously a massive miss, as you said, um, if he's going to be out. Um, Ceballos came off the bench don't know what he does really um, he's a bit of a I don't know he's one of their midfielders who like he's got a pedigree of, of obviously being at Real Madrid but you've got to think you know there's got to be a reason why Real Madrid keep loaning him out a guy who's coming in the Europa League and done very well is Willock um, yeah did really yeah as I said did really well in the Europa League but doesn't get a look in in the Premier League it's um quite bizarre really but yeah no I think overall with Arsenal I think we will say um, that uh, <laughs> it kind of uh, it kind of epitomises what people are like at the moment one week they're a good team one week they're a bad team I think at the end of the day they're average to be honest uh, yeah, a bit... that's probably what it that's probably what it all boils down to just if you have, if, if you have the ups and downs ups and downs the, the line that goes straight through yeah. is going to be one of averageness yeah, yeah <laughs> no, well done there mate yeah um, I think I think Arteta's doing okay yeah but not, nothing more than that for me um, final thing we'll we'll look at from the weekend is uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing already. Uh, West, West Ham's 1-0 win over Fulham. And, uh, oh dear, in particular, that penalty from um, Adamola Lutman. Uh, I, I think Fulham fans would be uh, best off turning this off if, if we have any Fulham <laughs> listeners. I mean, let's be fair and say, I think he's clearly full of confidence, isn't he, to try the Penenka. We'll say yeah. that. But if you're going to do it, oh, it's got... You've got a score, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, but there's no, it, it, there's no other way that doesn't. It just 
yeah, if, if you score it, it looks great. Any other scenario or outcome, it just looks absolutely rid- ridiculous. And that's unfortunately what transpired. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, just what must Scott Parker be thinking when that happens? I mean, they're desperate for points. They've, they've worked really hard for a point. Obviously, they, they've conceded a 91st minute uh, goal, uh, which is a, a psychological blow anyway yeah. but then to have the chance to to bring it back to 1-1 I mean like must he be think he must be tearing his hair out and- I think it's laugh or cry kind of situation you just don't know if it's I mean it's that, like I said someone's I think so important imagine if they get relegated by a point <laughs> yeah. is the big one I mean would you if you're a lookman you will never be able to look in, look in the mirror ever again after that I mean God it's already that many bad, bad enough penalty he probably already is doing that but <laughs> if you it's just, it's not even the fact, it's the fact that it's such a club like Fulham who are teetering on the brink and need every kind of scrap of point they can possibly get their hands on. And to just, just do it so, just, yeah, just put it so casual about it. It's just beggar's belief. Do you, do you honestly think, I think this is, this is uh, a huge psychological blow to the team, like going forward? Um, that, that's got, that's got a knot on for six, surely. Yeah, but this, this, Football time is obviously great. Look, still so much of the season to go. You just don't know. I mean, like I said, when you guys lost nine, nine, two, nine, one, was it? We'd have thought, God, this could really be the thing that could really I'm drive not you correct down. You there, but... Whichever one it was, it's that many goals. But <laughs> but then look what happened. Turned it round. You just don't know. You really don't know. I mean, it's up to the players how they respond ultimately. Yeah, whether they've got the characters to do that. Uh... I think uh, is remains to be seen. We'll, we'll say is um, is the, yeah. the kindest thing to say. Right? Where does that rank in the worst penalties that you've uh, you've ever seen then in the Premier League? I still think it's. I still think the uh, the Perez Henri will never be topped. Just never will be topped. That's bad, but I just, it's just it's 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 that bad. It's so it's more comical than it is bad. Is what like, that one is? So I, I put yeah, I put Lutman still second to that. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, Fine. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, the uh, the, the Pires Henri. We we were talking before we came on that we we both watched the uh, the little montage of worst penalties. And uh, what gets me is um, I think it's Danny Mills, isn't it? Who's honestly like he he's he's so angry with um, with uh, Henri and Pires oh, that he yeah, tried to do it. Yeah, there's expletives out there that we can't repeat on the show. But if you're a good lip reader, then yeah, you'll see the funny side. Oh, <laughs> I think uh, watching that um, little montage reminded me of some uh, some great misses uh, down the years. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be. I thought some of them were a bit harsh. About like um, a couple of them were were blatant slips, and I think like slipping is is not you know it's not a bad penalty. Obviously, it goes over the bar or goes wide or what have you. But no, that's it, it's it's got to be that that that's unfortunate. Uh, I think the ones for me was. Uh, punching I think it was for Palace like he slices it like that's bad but the one one I saw which surprised me was Kane against Southampton 2016 yeah but that's a slip isn't it no I just watched it right now it's not a slip okay (laughs) literally goes from the camera angle goes almost at the top of the screen nah well the the pitch the pitch um it gives you. It, it, there was a little bit of a divot there, yeah, but no, no. Well. <laughs> well, no, he looks for a divot. He really looks hard mm. for the suspicious okay. divot. Like just, it's it's a fun. That's that's. I mean, yeah, I know you'll be in St Mary's. You'll you'll probably see that. You'll probably think that's 
may be a bit exaggerated by the camera angle, but it, what I mean, actually, it looks absolutely horrific. <laughs> yeah, plenty of uh, plenty of bad ones. Um, actually, that I, I found it uh, an amazing stat that uh, Mares's penalty, oh sorry, De Bruyne's penalty on the weekend was uh, the first one, the first penalty that missed the target since Mares ballooned it over for Man City against uh, Liverpool. Any, for any for any team in the Premier League? Yeah, just missed the target. Wow. So, which is bonkers, really. But there we go. Um, the Mahrez the, the one is also in that montage, which yeah. is, <laughs> which generated was... a roar akin to a goal at Anfield, so that was quite funny. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. Why not let us know what you think? Get in touch by searching for Matchday FM on social media. Continuing with our little awards theme, let's move on to uh, our, our awards of the week then. Um, we've got some, um, some interesting ones to give out, uh, Tom. I hope you've been uh, preparing and thinking about what, what we want. So uh, I'll go first for your team performance uh, of the week. Uh, I actually go Villa. Villa, that was, yeah, just one of the, one of the best performances in a way this season. Um, Everything, everything, I think Dean's best seems to have got his tactics absolutely spot on for that game. Not a single bit of error whatsoever. Now it was yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah, I uh, can't, um, can't disagree with that at all. Uh, Aston Villa, absolutely outstanding. Um, manager of the week then? Can I actually go your boy, Hassan Hootel? Okay. Um, I think he's. Uh, I think he's got it back to back, hasn't he? Now I think they they gave it to well, him on the uh, on the previous actually, podcast. So uh, well, yeah. dude, I, no one expected him to still continue this. Um, he'd expect. Well, who would have expected him to still be churning out these results in a consistent fashion? So um, keep it going. I, it, was just, it was sort of said the nature of the win as well. It just seemed so uh, mostly controlled. I mean, McCarthy did pull out a brilliant save, but it just yeah, there's a measure of control about the play now. It's just seems to be coming on leaps and bounds. So, yeah, keep it up. Um, So, yeah, uh, Hassan Hootel would definitely be up there. Um, I would probably... I'd probably give it to Brendan Rodgers, I think. Um, The Brodge. Yeah, just a continued uh, brilliance, along with Hassan Hootel, really. Um, It's a toss-up between Hassan Hootel, Smith and Rodgers, I think. Um, So, uh, I'm, I'm... I'm I'm happy to go with yours and Hassan Hugel, you know. <laughs> Bet you are, of course. Um, and no, I'll I'll make the case for for Rogers, yeah. Um, against a, a difficult Wolves team, I thought they they made it look uh, very easy, Leicester. Um, considering again uh, their injuries at the moment, um, continued excellent job from Rogers. Uh, player of the week, then. Oof, player of the week. Um... Again, just just how how impressive he was, and I, I just Grealish, you know, Grealish. It just it just seems something so right. Like I said about the main him embracing the captaincy and just seeming to want to drive the team forward almost single handedly. I, I, like, I kind of like that approach. You don't see it too much. I, mean, I know captaincy is often dished out to centre halves and things like that, but I just yeah, attacking player of his caliber to see his sort of. Boyhood club, the dream, the living, being the captain of it. It's um, no, I quite like that because he just seems to be impressing me week after week consistently. 
Yeah, there's there's an outstanding candidate for me, and it was uh, Ziyech for Chelsea. He was um, yeah, that's a good one. Absolutely exceptional, really. Yeah, that's a good one because he's coming off the injury as well, isn't he? Seems to have just been hammed after being set after set back by the injury to come onto the scene like that and just seem to slot in so naturally as well. Oh, he just he just absolutely ran the game against uh, against Sheffield United. They went behind, and then after that, Ziyech was just was just absolutely. Exceptional, and considering the the um, the amount of attacking talent that Chelsea have in in the number ten and attacking midfield positions, I was I was looking for one of them to kind of break out. Uh, either one of Ziyech, Havertz, um, Mason Mount, obviously is up there, um, but Ziyech, wow, he was uh, he was seriously seriously impressive. Um, uh, his assist, two assists in the game, and his ball in for Thiago Silva was oh, just so good. So, uh, player of the week for Ziek for me, Grealish uh, for Tom, uh, Fafana, I think, uh, honorable mention as well. And then yeah. we come for a goal of the week. Then, um, you have two, I think, that you um, I like again, I'll put it for uh, the male that look impressive just from. St- about looking back when you watch it on replay, that Jesus goal, you know, I just love how he the term, which obviously everyone's gonna laugh at poor Alexander Arnold for, but we just and also the the speed of the finish as well. Alison barely had time to even try and dive, and it's already in the back of the net. That's that sort of leaf that you can't do anything against that. I mean, like I said, it's not visual spectacle that you're watching to be oh, that's a great, it's when you watch back and see the technique and sort of. The build up to it, the individual build up to it, it's just yeah, for me that takes it. I think that the Villa, the yeah, the Watkins goal for Villa actually was pretty good. Quite yes. like that one. Oh, the yeah. uh, the what the the Barkley assist one. Yeah, yeah, that's because again, I was thinking more on the team, the team goals kind of for you sort of sort of, sort of triggered that like that line of thought because everyone seems oh, as though what about team goals as well? I think that deserves a good mention. Mm. It's sort of torn between them two. Villa's first goal as well, you know, that was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, little um, patient build up, and then Barkley plays a little little reverse ball. That was brilliant. Uh, that would be up there. Playing a blinder, wasn't he? Yeah, that 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 would be up there for me. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a tough one actually this week. Um, I, I'd say the two Villa goals um, are up there, but uh, Eze's free kick for Palace that was. Um, Pleasing on the eye. <laughs> very, very good. Shea Adams um, volley as well. I really liked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's 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 go with Villa's second goal, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, come to a, we'll come to a um, we'll come to an agreement. So we've got uh, Villa, Villa, Hassan Hootel and Rogers, Ziyech, Grealish, plenty of Villa uh, in this awards, and then uh, Villa's second goal. So uh, yeah, all about the Villa. Um, anyway, uh, Tom, thanks very much for uh, uh, your uh, input this evening. And, been a pleasure, uh, as always. I've been Joe Richardson, and this has been uh, the Prem Talk, and hopefully it's been uh, it's uh, filled the void a little bit of the Premier League football, and we'll be back uh, in uh, in a week's time previewing uh, the next uh, match week of the uh, Premier League. But until then, um, stay safe. Uh, we will be um, broadcasting you uh, very soon, so uh, stay tuned. Cheers. Thank you so much.